get into a message. Uh, I know the previous uh, two weeks I told you I was going to do a standalone and then it turned into a two-weeker, but this one's a standalone. And, uh, but it's a little bit, how many of you like life hacks? How many of you like those little things and you're like, I was today years old when I found this out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, had no idea. Well, today I want to give you a little bit of a life hack. And, um, and so the title of my message is Little by Little. Um, and so, but I want to talk about some really a principle that I believe can actually revolutionize your life if you will do it. And it's not hard. It's just the consistency is what makes the difference. You know, the Grand Canyon was not formed in a day. It was formed over time, and yet, can you imagine if somebody said, I want to go dig something the size of the Grand Canyon, how long it would take. And yet, water flowing has created the Grand Canyon, right? And so today, I want to share with you just a few things. And how many of you have ever set a goal of any kind? You can think of a New Year's resolution. Maybe it was a financial goal. Maybe it was this. Maybe it was a whatever. Only to become frustrated and discouraged pretty quickly so that you threw in the towel. Anybody? Am I the only person that's ever said, I want to do this and I don't do it and I don't follow through? You know, New Year's resolutions sound great on December 31st. They just don't seem so good on January 15th. I'm like, whose bright idea was this? This was a terrible idea. Why would I have ever thought I wanted to do this? And so here's the thing, though, is that, and we'll get into, I'll unpack some of this, but I want to give you just a key to not living in your failure. And so this is not really the context, but here's, because many times people get stuck in a rut. They find themselves in a place that they get stuck and then they can't get out, right? How many of you remember the commercials, help, I've fallen and I can't get up? From like 1989, it was like life alert, you know what I'm talking about? Well, how many of us have ever been like that? I'll give you another picture. You ever seen a turtle on their shell and their little legs are kicking and they can't do anything? You ever felt like that? Well, here's the key, though, to getting over failure. This is real deep. Get up. You got to get up. And so many times we just want to sit and cry and whine and feel sorry for ourselves. And the devil loves that. He'll set up a big party for that. But yet we actually have to, what, We have to get up over the last two weeks. I've actually been sharing with you about the power of right relationships. When you're down, you need right relationships. Why? Because when you don't want to get up, they're going to say, okay, come on, let's go. Let's go. It's time. Let's get up. Let's get moving. And so, you know, and look, and I understand we all face challenges in our life. Every single one of us. There's not a person in this room or online right now that has not and is not facing a challenge of some sort. But how we respond to those challenges is what makes the difference. Why? Because the Bible's very clear, and this is very encouraging. You're going to have problems in this. If you're breathing, and when you get all your problems solved, guess what? You're going to have new ones. I know that's amazing information for you right there. But Proverbs 26, 17 says this, that a righteous man, though he falls, will get back up. We've got to have that attitude of, look, this is not my, let me say it this way, is that my failure cannot define me. 
And if we're not careful, we will allow even our past to define us and that keeps us from stepping into what God has for us. And so how do you move beyond a failure? How do you move beyond a personality tick, if you want to call it that? A personality flaw, if you will. Something about you that you're like, man, I, I want to change this about me. You know, and so today... I believe that we all have areas that need some attention in our life. And you probably know what they are. I don't have to try to define it or name it for you. But many times what happens is that we lack the courage just to take that first step. Just to begin to move in the right direction. Because here's the thing. We didn't get into our problems overnight. We're not going to get out of them overnight. Now I know that there are times, but they are not the usual, that God supernaturally delivers and does things. And I've shared many times about that. But I also believe that, and there are, and I believe God does that. I believe that God is a God of the miraculous. God can do a lot of things instantly, but there are times where it's a process too. I mean, I've had it happen both ways. I've had it where the Lord has supernaturally gotten me out of debt. That was fun. And then I've also had the Lord say, we're going to walk this one out. And over the course of time, I got out of debt. Why? Because there were lessons in both that I needed. You know, and this plays out in so many things in our life, so many areas of our life. And so one of the things that I would encourage you with today is this, and it's a pretty famous statement, but I believe that it's very true though, is that many times is that we overestimate what we can accomplish or what we can do in the short term. We look at things and, you know, like Dare always tells me, everything always takes longer than you think it should. Why? Because I overestimate my ability to get things done in an hour. If I say it's going to take an hour, it might take two. Why? Because I'm just that confident that I'm going to get this stuff knocked out. I'm going to get this stuff taken care of. But, what, but the other side of that is I believe that we also way underestimate what we can accomplish in the long run. In other words, we get short-term goals and we kind of overestimate our ability. Because what? Many times we want, you know... It, like I'll give you an example. Because I already mentioned January, which we're a ways away from January, but it'll be here for you know it. Many times people be like, hey, I want to lose weight at the beginning of the year. And they're like, oh, the church is a 21-day fast. I'm just going to lose weight during my fast. And I won't have to diet the rest of the year. I won't have to manage my income the rest of the year. You know, all of those types of things. Versus actually changing our lifestyle. We would rather make the short-term sacrifice... But I even know that short-term sacrifice does not lead to long-term results. Why? Because you just go right back to the same old habits and the same old habits produce the same old reality. And so we have to actually change our mindset and we have to what? <clears throat> we need to begin to think long-term. Now we live in instant gratification culture, right? Everything is now. But see, here's the truth is that God leads us in steps and stages, not by leaps and bounds. God's going to give you a step, not a jump. That's how God works. Why? Because he wants to walk with you. I say it many times is that God does not want to set you up for failure. I believe he actually won't. And so God's going to give you a step and that one step will require faith. And then when you take that step, he's going to give you the next step and the next step and the next step. And then before long, you look back and you're like, man, I've come a long ways. But what? It started with the first step. And it takes courage to really step into that. And many times we can get frustrated in the gap between what we desire and where we are. 
And one of the things that I would tell you is to stop and look back of where you've come so far. You may not be where you wanted to be, but you've come a long ways from where you were. And there is a gap, but you can be discouraged. Look, like, let me just give you an example. Let's say that I wanted to walk to that little box. Right, right here on the floor. There's a little box there. You probably can't see it, but there's a little box right there. Well, I can get discouraged because I'm like, God's leading me. God's taking me on a journey. I'm taking steps and I'm moving forward. And then I get all the way to here. And I've seen this happen in my own life where I'm like right here. I wanted to go right there, but I'm right here. And then I quit. I'm convinced that the enemy fights hardest right before I step into what God has for me. He fights me the whole way. But when I'm right on the doorstep... He fights even harder. Why? Because he knows I'm about to step into what God has for me. But what, So what do I do right here? I need to turn around and look back where I started and realize, hey, I'm a whole lot closer than where I was. So why would I come all this way to quit right here at the doorstep? No, I just need to keep taking the next step and the next step. And you're like, well, when does that breakthrough come? It's not really on God, actually. It's actually on us. It's our, it's our heart, I believe, many times that, that is the deciding factor. I'll give you an example of this from Scripture. You can go read in the Old Testament about Joseph. He got thrown in prison. You know, and, and you can go read the story of Joseph. It, it, it's an interesting story, to say the least. But he got thrown in prison, and long story short, he was an interpreter of dreams. God would give him dreams, or, or I'm sorry, that he would have dreams that he would be able to interpret those dreams. Like people would have dreams, they'd come to him and be like, what does my dream mean? He would tell. So he's there and then there's a, a baker and a cupbearer and he interprets their dreams. Says one of them, we'll give you the short version, hey, you're going to go serve the king and you're about to die. Sorry. And, uh, but, so that's, that is what happens. And, uh, but he, he, he makes this whisper, he makes this request of those guys, especially to the one who goes before the king. says, hey, when you come before the king, remember me. Like when you get there, hey, remember, I'm your buddy. I'm your friend. Like I was here to, to, to interpret your dream to give you hope. I'm convinced, I am convinced of this. If Joseph would have kept his mouth shut, he wouldn't have spent the next two years in prison. I believe his heart had to get right between him and the Lord so that God says, okay, now I can get you out of the prison. So two days or two years, we get to decide. I mean, there's something to be said for this. And so we have to make some determinations that, hey, enough is enough. And so uh, Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 tells us, gives us instructions. It says, let us not grow weary when we're doing good. Let me say it in other words. Let's not grow tired when we're doing the right things. Why? Because it goes on, it says, for in a due season, you will reap if you do not give up. If you just keep at it, keep steady, little by little, you're making progress. It may not be at the speed that you want. It may not be happening the way that you want. But as long as you're making process, you're or making progress, you're moving closer to what God has for you. And the Bible here tells us if we don't uh, quit, we will reap. Now, hopefully all of you know this story, but how many of you are familiar with the story of the tortoise and the hare? What's the moral of that story? What was it? Slow and steady wins the race. Right? There's no doubt the rabbit was faster. 
But the tortoise, what, just kept taking a step, kept taking a step, kept taking a step. And who won the race? The tortoise, why? Because he just kept moving, kept taking steps, kept moving forward. And I believe that that is actually a lesson even for us. See, I believe in our culture that we've greatly underestimated the actual value of just being steady. Of just sticking with it. We celebrate people who make crazy sacrifices that, we, you know, you can take whoever you want. You know, whether it's a celebrity or somebody famous. Or, and, and you really go and, you know, just give you an example. You take like a, a movie star and you're like, man, it must be nice. But you go and read about the sacrifices that they make. They're getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning so that they're ready on set at like 5 to start filming at 6. And then they're there until 9 at night. And they do that for months. To make a movie. and we're, How many of you want to sign up for that schedule? Like that doesn't sound fun to me. Or you get an athlete or whatever it may be. And they make these. Uh, but there's this steadiness. I'll say it this way. Nobody is great by default. Nobody. I don't care who you think is amazing. They're not just that great. They may have natural ability and aptitude, yes, but they have done something that has created in them greatness. It's just true. You know, I, I think about this in regards to, especially in our culture, you know, we have, you know, we look at people who win the lottery and they become instant millionaires. And we have people who, you know, get famous on the internet and they're worth a lot of money and all these different things. And we have instant popcorn, you know, my son has recently discovered instant popcorn. He's like, I can have hot popcorn anytime I want it, like in two minutes. Yes. I didn't even know my, li- my son liked popcorn until we went to a movie and then he ate the whole bucket. And I was just like, you really? I'm, I'm thinking he spilt it. I'm like, where is it? And no, he ate it all. Right. And, and so, but we really live in a culture that everything is now, 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 now. But think about this. We watch the Olympics every four years. How many of you know that there's a lot of training that happens in four years to prepare for that moment? We don't ever see it. We don't think about it. But every day they're making sacrifice. Because they understand if they want to win, they don't win on that day. They won on year three and a half before. That they started training and they started doing things and, and they started preparing themselves. And, and so the truth is, is that small, consistent steps over time have a snowball effect. Small, consistent steps. So many times we want to do the big stuff. We want to make a big splash. And it's like, yeah, but the big splash is momentary. What about the small, consistent things? If you know anything about finance, think about like um, compound interest. It's the great mystery. But over the, over the span of time, it accumulates. Well, a snowball, every time it rolls, what? It picks up more snow. So it gets larger and it picks up speed. It picks up momentum. The same thing is true for us. When we do small things consistently, it doesn't seem like much at first doesn't seem like much is happening. It's like, man, this is just wasting my time. I know I did my, my 10 minutes of devotion this morning, but I just don't feel the Lord. Keep doing it. Keep going. Well, I know I can only save $10 a week. It just doesn't seem like much. Just keep going. 
Well, I know I only, you know, I feel disconnected from my kid and they don't seem like they really want to, to have any, me to, to be a part of their life. Just keep sowing that five minutes. If you just take that five minutes every day with your kid, at the end of the week, you got 35 minutes. At the end of the week, you got 140 minutes. Well, that's a lot more than the zero that you were investing. And that was just five minutes a day. So if you wonder, like in your marriage relationship, start making some time. Set it, just start small. Don't try to say we're going to spend an hour together a day if you ain't spending no time together a day. Start with something small. Why? Because small consistency has a bigger impact than just a one-time thing. It's just true. Is that the accumulated value creates something. And so even when things really begin, I know that our tendency many times, and I say this for me, is that I look at it in the beginning and I'm like, man, this is frustrating. It seems like nothing's happening. It seems like nothing's working. I mean, many of you, I do not partake in this habit, but I know many of you do. You go to the gym. Here's one of the, here's one of the good things about going to the gym, though, is it actually teaches you to have a long-term mentality. Why? Because you have to do something today that you don't see the results of. And in our culture of instant gratification, we want to go pick up a, a dumbbell for two minutes and go to the mirror and be like, Woo! Like, that ain't going to happen. I wish it would. But that's not the way it works. And so we actually have to learn delayed gratification. That's a mature term, by the way. That takes maturity. I'm going to do something today because I believe in the results that it will create in the future. I have to make decisions today for what I want in 20 years. Some of you aren't thinking two weeks ahead. What about 20 years from now? What about even five years? Like, don't start with 20. What you want to, where you want to be at come the first of the year? You got basically 90 days to the end of the year. I mean, it's October almost. So what are you going to do in the next 90? Like, why wait till January? Because if I'll start today, my January will actually be better than if I wait till January. Because why? I'll have more momentum. And that will pick up and that will pick up. And little by little... Things will begin to shift. Things will begin to change. There may be areas in your spiritual life. Take five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, whatever it may be. Just start somewhere. You're like, well, I don't know what to read. I've gone back here in the last two or three weeks to an, uh, what I used to have as a habit for a long time, which was I, I read a proverb every day. So today is whatever, the 25th, is that right? Today I will read Proverbs 25. And tomorrow, I will read Proverbs 26. And the day after that, I will read Proverbs 27. You're like, well, why would I read the book of Proverbs? It's the book of wisdom that teaches you how to live successfully in this life. So if you don't know what to read, start there. If you're like, I've read Proverbs. I want to read something else. Go read the book of John. That's all about relationship with the Lord. Those are two great places to start. And you just start. You start in an area and you're like, man, my my spiritual life just isn't really where I want it to be. Little by little. And it doesn't mean that God won't show up. doesn't mean that God won't, won't move in, in, in great ways. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that many times we've lived in the, in the mindset or the mentality of, hey, I want these like mountaintop 
experiences with God and we've greatly undervalued the, just the, the small consistency every day. What I have found is that when I'm constantly, continually, repeatedly connecting with the Lord faithfully, I don't need those mountaintop experiences nearly as much. It's not to say I don't ever need them, because I do, and so do you, but they're not as desperate. They're not as frequent. There are moments where, hey, we were singing about it, like, God, I need a breakthrough in this moment. Yeah, you need the presence of God to come show up in, in a unique way in that moment, but you shouldn't be living in that place. The Bible says that he gives us what our daily bread. He gives me enough to sustain me every day. And it's in that daily routine that my, that my life begins to pick up momentum. See, and again, here's another truth for you. Is that even the greatest tree started as a small seed. Every tree, take the largest trees you want. The greatest tree that you've got in your yard. It started out as a little bitty seed. And that seed got planted. And the seed got left alone in the ground. And what? The seed sprouted and then it grew and then it became. You know, a few months ago, I I had all this bamboo in my backyard. Big, massive, old bamboo. I mean, you know. I cut it down. But I just cut it at the surface. Because I had to get somebody to come dig it out. Long story, but I I haven't got to it yet. I wish I would have. Because now I'm cutting down my bamboo a second time this year. And some of it's like 15 feet tall. Already. Well, what happened? That The bamboo did not just pop up out of nowhere. I don't know who had the bright idea, but somebody had the bright idea. We need some bamboo over here. And they planted it. If you know anything about bamboo, it's very invasive. And it's a pain in the rear end. But even it started as just a very small seed. See, the Bible tells us in, in Genesis is that as long as the earth remains, that there is a principle... And it's seed, time, and harvest. It takes patience. It takes endurance. Just staying committed, staying faithful, staying faithful, staying faithful. You're like, well, this isn't very encouraging. When the ball starts to pick up momentum, it's very encouraging. And many times, well, let me just keep going here. I'll get to some of this. In Mark chapter 4. Verse 26 through 28, Jesus tells the disciples a parable and he says that God's kingdom realm is like someone spreading seed on the ground. He says he goes to bed and he gets up and day after day the seed sprouts and it grows tall, though he doesn't know how. It says all by itself it sprouts. And here's a key part. It says, and the soil produces the crop. It says first the green stem, then the head on the stalk, and then the fully developed grain in the head. So even when we're talking about, uh, especially with spiritual things, this is what Jesus is talking about here. He says, look, the ground is what makes the difference, not the seed. See, the same word of God that you're hearing right now is the same word that somebody else is going to hear. And you may have two totally different experiences by the same thing that you've heard. Well, what made the difference? If it's the same words, if it's the same communication, if it's all the same, but it produced differently, what was the difference? The soil. The soil produces. Well, what's the soil? We are. Our hearts are the soil. That's why the Bible talks about the seed of God's word being sown into our hearts. But it talks about four different conditions, four different heart types. And so we determine that. 
We determine how, how we receive God's word. I was talking with somebody this last week and they had even made this phrase and it kind of sparked a thought when they said it. They said the question really comes down to, Ken, we were talking about something totally different, but I was like, hmm, that's going to go in my notes. They said the question really comes down to, can the seed survive the soil? How many of you have ever heard of the real Death Valley? Not the one here. The real one out in California. They call it Death Valley because it's 120 plus degrees there pretty much every day. It's very hot. It's very dry. Everybody thought it was dead. And I don't remember the exact year, but um, about 20 years ago, all of a sudden a phenomenon happened. And they got a bunch of rain that filled the valley. Like very very unusual. And something resulted called the super bloom. And what happened with that ground was that everybody thought everything was dead. Like it had been dead so long, nobody thought anything could grow there. And all of a sudden they got this rain. All of a sudden the whole field just, you can go Google search super bloom. It will pop it up. Death Valley super bloom. And you can see a picture. And just flowers all over. See, the seed was always there. The problem was the soil. And that seed could not survive the soil that was there. But when the soil changed, the seed activated. And the, the seed began to grow and, and began to happen. And, and, and so what ha- and even in our own life, in our relational life, in our financial life, many times we're not willing to, to do things consistently to make the investments regularly so that it will produce in our life. And so what happens is, is that the seed is there, the potential is there. So my question for you would be this, is what potential are you sitting on? And this could be in many areas of your life. This could be the word of God that you know, but you don't know. It may be in the gifts and the callings and the things that God has called you to. You've got all this potential, but you just need the right soil conditions for that seed to really be able to flourish. See, I believe many times one of the greatest enemies that we have, especially when we start talking about doing things faithfully, doing things consistently, doing small things well, it's the thief of comparison. As we look around and we say, well, man, how did they do this? And how did they get that? And how, why are their kids okay? And mine are all crazy. And why is, well, how did they have this? And how did they get that? And, and you know, all these things. And we begin to compare. You know that c- comparison is the thief of joy. You were perfectly content with your car until your neighbor got a new one. And then all of a sudden, yours looked a little more dull. A little more ratty. And you're like, man, that sure would be nice. see that in our work we were perfectly happy at work doing our job with our co-worker and then our co-worker gets a promotion and then all of a sudden we become discontented why because we're thinking i should have got that well you were fine two days ago so what changed you begin to compare we all do this we all have to fight this let me put it into another arena is that many times we want the harvest that somebody else has we see what somebody has we see their relationship, we see their marriage, and it's like, man, we want that harvest. We, we want the results of that. Okay, start sowing the seeds that they sowed then. 
You want those relationships. You, you know, I mean, there are things that it's like, man, what do you do? Let me say it another way. If you want to do what they do, then you need to go back and did what they did. Everybody's like, well, I want to do it today and I want to get what they got. No, you got to did it. Like, I did that. It's in the past. If you want what they want and you want to do what they do, you need to go did what they did. It's important why you got to sow those seeds. It takes time and it takes trust in the Lord. It takes this faithfulness, this commitment to keep moving forward. And so if you want to change your life, you got to change your habits. You got to change your routines. You got to change your daily life. I mean, there's a, a famous old quote that says that success is not found in a day, but it is found daily. There's a lot of truth, and you can apply that to every area of your life. Relational, financial, spiritual, emotional. If you want to change your emotional state, you're going to have to change what you think about every day. You're going to have to change what you meditate on and what you let just get into your thought life and stay there. You've got to change it. This is how change and growth really begins to happen. I believe that in your spiritual life that we need to set some new holy habits in place. And it might just be the adjustment of a habit, a very good habit, but hey, it may be time to shift it. Maybe time to change the location. So here's a, a very basic one that I would encourage you with. You could take 15 minutes a day. Take five minutes in worship. Take five minutes and read the word of God. You can basically read most chapters of the Bible in five minutes, roughly. And then pray for five minutes. Don't get hung up on the fives. If your worship is six minutes and your reading is six minutes and your prayer is three minutes, that's okay. Don't get hung up on the 15. But it's easy to remember three things in five. Worship, word, prayer. Everybody say that with me. Worship, word, prayer. Five minutes each a day. If you will do that as a habit, it might do better than you. How many of you are crammed for a test? How many know what I'm talking about? How many crammers are in the room? I love some cramming. Here's the problem with cramming. You can pass the test, but tomorrow you don't what? You don't remember the information. And sometimes that's how we treat God. And that's how we treat our spirit life. We're not going to pay any attention to our spirit man all week. And then come Saturday morning, I'm going to read for an hour. I'm going to pray and I'm going to get filled up so that I can go to church and be spiritual. <laughs> or maybe that's how you view church. I'm going to come to church and you're going to give me everything I need for the week. That is an unrealistic expectation. There's actually strength in your daily. You would actually be better off to take that 5, 10, 15 minutes a day, every day. Why? Because it produces a steadiness in your life. I believe that everything about us is actually based spiritually first. My emotions are affected by my spirituality. My anxiety 
If I want to fix some of those things, my anger. Right? My stress. My worries. All of those things are above. And the foundation of my life, the foundation of your life is actually spiritual. Most of our problems, not all, but I would venture to say most of the problems that we experience are because of a lack of something spiritually. And even if, even if they're not a result of something spiritual, spiritual is how I fix it. That's why we pray. Why? Because I think we underestimate how valuable our spirit man is and how much it affects our, the world in which we live. So many times we approach life like this, is that I'm a, I'm a physical being with a spirit. Like I have a body, that's the real part of me. Okay, simple question. When you breathe your last breath, which part of you is still alive? So there's a part of you that's eternal. So I think that's the more real side. See, you're actually a spirit being being that has a body. You have a soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your intuitions. That's all your soul. But your spirit, man, is the most real, eternal part of you. And if we will begin to sow some seeds into that, the Bible gives us an instruction that says, don't despise small beginnings. Why? Because small beginnings turn into big things. You could actually say it like this, is that small things may not actually be that small. Small things may actually be big, they just don't start out as big. So we underestimate or we overestimate what we might get done this week. But what about in 10 years? We've got to start thinking more long term. Even in, in, I believe in every aspect of our life. And, and you need a few wins. You need some things just to be able to start moving. And, and, and I believe that God actually helps us in this. Is that when we begin to put spiritual disciplines in place. Is that strength isn't just found in a day. But it is built over time. Why? Because we keep sowing the seed of God's word into our life. And and what happens is that word begins to take root. That word begins to produce. Strength begins to come. Confidence begins to come. Why? Because we've been consistently taking the word of God. And putting it into our life. He's not a Hail Mary pass. He has a game plan. I believe we need a game plan. So here's my question for you today. So I'm kind of wrapping up this morning. Is there an area of your life that you've accepted? It's just, we had a marriage conference this year, and I, even though I hate this phrase, it just keeps coming back to me. And I keep saying it. It was one of the speakers said, he was kind of making fun of where he was from actually, but it is what it is. I can't stand that statement. Because what you're saying is that there's nothing that you nor the Lord can do about it. Well, it just is what it is. Well, that's just who I am. Well, this is just the way it's going to be. So you're telling me you serve a God who's small enough that he can't affect that. So my question is, is there anything that you've accepted in your life that the Lord is stirring you about right now? And telling you, you need to reactivate your faith in this area of of your life. 
Because you've tolerated and you've accepted this as just the way it's going to be. And and God's saying, no, it doesn't have to just be that way. But you're going to have to start taking some steps. And it's going to look slow at first. And it's going to seem like nothing is happening. And it seems like, well, this isn't producing anything. And why do I keep doing this? Just keep going. Ephesians says, having done all to stand. You just keep, keep doing. Once, you, once you're doing everything you know to do, keep holding on to your faith. Keep that picture in mind of what God wants to do for you. See, I believe if you're listening this morning, if you're attuned to the Holy Spirit, He will begin to speak things to your heart and say, hey, you remember this area? Remember you used to believe in this area of your life that I would work? and You've kind of let go of that. And the Lord said, hey, pick that back up and start applying your faith to that again. Maybe it's in your calling. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's in many different areas of your life. Maybe it's in your mental health. And you're saying, yeah, but I just, I I, I thought that this was just the way I was. I just thought this was the way that it was going to be. Well, says who? Because God's word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's freedom and there's liberty. And that God, what? The Bible says that Jesus came to set captives free. So why would I accept being a captive when my Savior came so that I could be free? That's what the word of God says. And so I have to believe God's word. What does believe mean? It means I put my faith in it. I put my trust in it. If God, God, if you said it, I believe that you'll do it. That settles it. It's that simple. And there is no yeah, but after that. When you say yeah, but you just negate everything you just said. It's like when you go and tell somebody, I'm sorry, but you know, you deserved it. That ain't no apology. Your yeah, but just disqualified your apology. No, we've got to go to God's word and say, God, I see your promises in your word. And I'm committed that little by little, you may do it in a moment, but you may do it over time. And I'm committed either way. I'm committed to it either way. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus is teaching the disciples. Starting in verse 22, he says, have faith in God. Trust God. Trust his word. He says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Whatever you're facing, whatever seems insurmountable, whatever seems finished, have faith in God. Trust his word. Trust his promises. Why? Because when I begin to speak to the mountain, what does your mountain look like today? What's your impossibility today? What is your... It is what it is. That's your mountain. And you need to start speaking to your mountain. You need to start declaring God's word over your mountain. Why? Because when you begin to declare God's word, faith comes by hearing. Hearing God's word. Romans ten seventeen. There's no greater authority in your life than your voice. And if you keep speaking God's word, you will become thoroughly convinced that just like Abraham was, that he who had promised is faithful to keep his promise to me. So it says, speak to your mountain. You may need to start talking. And I don't mean just kind of to yourself in your head. Like you need to start saying it out loud. Why? Because you're letting the devil know, hey, this, I'm not tolerating this anymore. Enough's enough. 
I'm not willing to just let life happen to me. No, I want to be proactive. I want to use my faith to change my life and to change my circumstance and to change my situation. In verse 23, so he says that we got to speak to the mountain that may be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And he gives us a key and he says, but you must really believe that it will happen and not doubt in your heart. Now let me give you good news here. It doesn't take a lot of faith to move a mountain. The Bible says that faith of a mustard seed, one of the other gospels, it's one of the smallest seeds on the planet, the mustard seed. It doesn't take a lot of faith, it takes pure faith. Let me help you out. How do you get pure faith? Quit questioning. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to lay out a calendar. God, next Tuesday by 4 o'clock, it'd be great if this could happen. If you came at 3, I'd be even happier. How about you just trust the Lord's timing? And say, Lord, I need you to do a work in me. Because I need my heart to be ready to step into what you have for me. So I, I need this, this pure faith. It doesn't mean it has to be great. But you just need a pure faith. God, your word says it, and I believe it. And I just trust your word. I trust your promise. I trust that you're faithful to me. If you can trust God with your eternity, which we call salvation, you can trust God with whatever your mountain may be today. Because which one's more valuable? I'm going I'm to go with eternity. If I can trust him with that, then I can trust him with whatever's on my plate, whatever's on your plate. You can trust him. So what do we do? We just take some steps. What, whatever your mountain may be, what does it look like? Your first step may be just start getting some scriptures. Go and find what God's word is. And you begin to start speaking. So step one, go find you some scriptures. Step two, start confessing scriptures. Step three, start praying. Those, start praying it out. I already got you three steps down the way. But you got to start. And as you do those things faithfully, as you continue to confess God's word, as you begin to what? It really, when I say confess the word, what it's really doing is creating faith in you. And that snowball is picking up every turn. Every turn. Every time you pray. Every time you confess. That thing's just picking up speed and picking up momentum. And before long, you got yourself a freight train rolling down a hill coming towards a mountain. Why? Because you just... You identified the problem and said, no more. I'm not going to accept that. So whatever your area you may have that you may be looking at today that seems impossible, that seems overwhelming. It's not greater than your faith's ability to overcome it. It's really not. And I know we can hear things like this and, and look, and we all have areas that we've missed it. Myself included. Well, I believe God, but. So I missed it. What did I tell you in the very beginning? How do you get over a failure? You get up. Say, okay, I'm not going to be defined by my failure. My, some, for some of you, your first step is to get up. You say, I'm not staying here any longer. I'm not staying in this situation. I'm, I'm not staying in this mental prison. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and I'm going to begin to move in a direction. Why? Because little by little, little by little, little by little, it's going to begin to move and God's going to begin to work. And before long, you're going to be over here looking, going, man, look where I came from. But it started over here with a step. Just a step in a direction. And you begin to move and God will honor your faithfulness. 
Here's the good thing. It's not on us to make it happen. But we got to do our part. When we do our part, God says, hey, my grace is enough. I can make up anything that you lack, anything that you're missing. I Just do your part. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit so that the, the Lord can lead us and, and, and help instruct us. And, and the Holy Spirit may reveal and say, hey, here's your next step. And here's your next step. And here's... And you're just picking up momentum, picking up, getting closer to what the Lord has for you. So this morning, I want to pray. I specifically want to pray over people who may be discouraged this morning. You may be looking at that mountain. You've had that thing around so long, you think it's a family member. And you think, man, I didn't even think that was a problem. I just thought it was just here. I thought it was part of the scenery. Well, it may be time for that to go. And so you need to be, if you can be discouraged, that word discouraged actually means to remove courage. Well, I want to encourage you this morning, which means to put courage in. And I want to pray this morning that, that, that the weight and the distraction and the heaviness of that discouragement is going to lift. I said it earlier, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 11, verse 30. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If it's heavy, it ain't from the Lord. Like, well, how do you know? Do you feel it? If it's heavy on you, that's not from the Lord. And if it's not from the Lord, then he doesn't want you to have it. So he's like, hey, give me your heaviness. Give me your weight. Give me your, the pressure. Let me take it for you. So I'm going to pray this morning over you. Father God, I just thank you so much for every person that's here. In this room, Father, I thank you for every person that's online right now that may even listen to this uh, at a different time, a different day. Father, I thank you that your spirit is here right now to affect and to influence and to impact us right now. So, Father, I think I take authority over all discouragement, all frustration. Father, I thank you that even in those areas where we may have laid our faith down, we may become too discouraged and we just threw in the towel and we quit. Father, I thank you that you're stirring up in us, Father, the, the desire, the will, and the want to, to believe you again, to trust you afresh. So, Father, I thank you that where there may be discouragement, Father, I just thank you right now that by your Holy Spirit, Father, that you're encouraging those, Father, who need it right now in this moment. Father, I think your word says that you're our very present help in our time of need. You said that you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. You would never abandon us. You would never leave us without aid, support, or help. But, Father, you would be the one who comes alongside of us. So, Father, we just receive from you this morning that strength and that encouragement. You know, this, this morning I shared a little bit about that I believe that everything that we face in life, that the foundation of our life is actually spiritual. You may be here today and you're like, man, I, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with the Lord and I need to come back in relationship. In a moment, we're going to worship together and we're going to have some uh, of our prayer team down here. If that's you, I'm going to encourage you to come down here because here's the thing, I can help soothe your conscience with a prayer. I mean, I can lead you in the prayer of salvation and, and it'll soothe your conscience for a moment. I would rather you have a conversation with somebody who can also pray with you and their prayer is just as effective as mine. But we can also put some tools and some resources and we want to make sure you've got a Bible and things like that. We want to help you so that what? You can take your next step. And so we're about to worship together. Would you guys just stand up this morning with me? We're going to worship and prayer team, you guys can go ahead and come down here. And as we're, as we're worshiping, if you need prayer, doesn't matter what it is, doesn't matter how big, doesn't matter how small. If it matters to you, it matters to God. 
And so we believe that when we pray, things begin to shift and things begin to happen. And so you may need healing in your body. There may be a relational issue going on in your life. And all we're doing by prayer, prayer is just an invitation to God. To say, God, I'm inviting you into this place. And you say, well, I don't need prayer for anything today. That's amazing. So you can just take this time and worship. You're like, well, why are we doing this? So that the, the word that you just heard can be sealed in your heart. I believe that that's so important. And so that's why we do worship at the end, but it also gives us an opportunity to pray with people. So as we worship, feel free to slip out of your seat. Come down here, let them pray for you. We believe it's.